Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends, welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. My goal is to reinforce Christianity with the wisdom and the words of Jesus, which incidentally are recorded in red in many Bibles. Do you know what Jesus said? What Jesus did? What Jesus said to do? This series is based on Jesus, his life, his friends, his ministry, his relationship with his Father, as recorded in the four Gospels. We have been talking about recently the um, Sermon on the Mount, and um, we have uh, been talking about, of course, the, um, the Beatitudes, which is how the Sermon on the Mount begins, uh, talking about how Matthew uh, seemed to have taken a positive approach to the, uh, to the Beatitudes in that these are, these characteristics, if, if you have these characteristics in your life, that uh, there is blessedness awaiting you. And, um, and as I was saying that uh, Luke took a more negative approach, um, and there's really not a Sermon on the Mount in the book of Luke, but there's um, a lot of the subjects that were preached in the Sermon on the Mount are covered again in Luke in his everyday speech. I happen to believe that... Uh, that the, the Sermon on the Mount very well could have been a purposeful compilation of everything that Jesus taught in his everyday life. Um, it was uh, it, it, everything that he said in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount were the same down-to-earth things that he taught every day. And, um, and so, after so much time spending with the Lord, uh, of course, Luke was not one of his disciples, but um, I think that in study of those things and in um, research of those things, uh, Luke became very familiar with the sayings of Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, there is a theory that there is a book uh, called The uh, Sayings of Jesus. Now, uh, this very well could be true. We don't know this. There's also another hypothetical book called the Q Document. Uh, these are things that were evidently recorded um, about the life of Jesus, the chronology and, and different things that he said and did, and these kind of, these, there's speculation, and um, at least they had the, you know, the honesty to call them hypothetical, because they are indeed hypothetical. But um, uh, the, the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, are all very, very similar. Um, the arguments go back and forth as to who copied who and who was first and, and uh, when certain things were written and how these things were compiled. But um, these are not necessarily facts for which we believe or uh, you know, falsities that, of, of history for which we should not believe what Jesus said. Um, it's a mystery to people who do not live by faith, do not understand the faith of Christianity, 
that a, a person could believe something for which there is no facts. Um, but what I have found is, is that when there is something presented to a person, lost, saved, good, bad, doesn't matter, when there is, a, or when there is an idea presented to them that uh, requires some kind of uh, uncomfortable change in their life, they do look for reasons not to believe whatever it is they believe. Now, conversely, I, um, I will also concede that uh, there is an equal and opposite error, which is very prevalent in Christianity, in modern Christendom, that when there is something that we want to believe and there's something that we uh, want to accept into our life, uh, we have a tendency to overlook facts to the opposite, uh, contradictions and uh, inconsistencies in the scriptures or in history or whatever. And we decide, I don't believe that, I do believe this, and we kind of pick and choose. Well, that's a pretty poor way to develop a doctrine. It's a poor way to, uh, to develop theology by going into the scriptures and finding, well, the scripture says this, so this this is the way it is. They say this, so this is the way it is. And um, take uh, people feel like they're taking their or developing their faith in God by the scriptures, when in reality it's pretty much the same thing as uh, you know just gathering philosophies in a smorgasbord fashion uh, in order to uh, have, feel like that they have some faith in God. Uh, the fact is, is that many Christian uh, relationships to God are not relationships to God at all, but they are relationships to Bibles, to denominations, to pastors, to ideas, to um, uh, perhaps the newest in Jewish, uh, what I, the, the newest Jewish uh, ideas of uh, the Messianic community, the the tongue talking and the healing and the and the miracle working of the well, it used to be the Pentecostal variety, um, the prosperity and such of the word of faith, um, or whatever there happens to be their little pet doctrine. When they find it, they latch onto it. These are all poor ways to develop doctrine. Uh, doctrine is something that um, the Apostle Paul found was awaiting him not in a seminary, not back in Jerusalem dealing with the, the disciples and getting their opinions about whatever it was that the Lord was calling him to do. But he found that, that good solid doctrine and theology was awaiting him in the backside of the Arabian desert. I happen to believe that Paul spent his, uh, his two years in, in, the, in this time of learning. I happen to believe that he spent that uh, somewhere in the vicinity of the cage, the cave that Elijah uh, occupied in in those days, which is right there in the Sinai Desert. When uh, when we find that uh, Paul spent this time in Sinai, um, there there was a reason for him going to Sinai. I don't know if it ever occurred to you about the the travels of the Apostle Paul, the discrepancies between Luke and Galatians and these kind of things. Uh, we talk about it and teach here at TRI about these particular things. And um, 
It was just an oddity that that Paul, a resident of Jerusalem, a um, member of the Sanhedrin, um, and uh, no doubt considered Jerusalem to be the center of his life and faith, when he was approached by the Lord Jesus himself, uh, you remember the Damascus Road situation where Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And uh, he wasn't really even aware of who this person was that was glowing there in front of him. But um, it, it, I don't know if you ever felt it was odd. I did that uh, Paul would, at that particular point, come to the realization that if Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, he is indeed, was then, and is now the Messiah, uh, the anointed one of God that, that came to teach his people and to bring us into the place that the Lord wants us to be. Thus he was named Joshua, um, as Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land. So Jesus Christ, the Savior, of the world is bringing us into the kingdom of God, um, which is the similarity, I think, that uh, prompted the Spirit of God to give him the name of, of uh, Moses' successor, Joshua. But Paul found that what doctrine he needed to learn, and mostly you have to understand that Paul was uh, well-versed, well-educated in the scriptures. So he was, not, he was not in Sinai to necessarily learn uh, the, the ways and the means of the Jewish people, nor doctrines, or, or the, uh, to study the covenants with the, with, the, uh, with the Israeli people, or even learn of doctrine and theology. But he was there to rectify what he knew to be so as far as the Jewish faith and the appearance and installation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and indeed another God altogether. This was very difficult for the Jews and still is today. Uh, the idea that there even could be another God um, because, you know, from the time that they were children, they recited the Shema, which, which, although within the Shema is the idea of a plural God, um, it, it starts with hero Israel, the Lord is one God, the Lord is one. And, um, so this was a, this, there were many things, uh, circumcision, um, you know, the, the covenants with Abraham and and with uh, Moses, the Noahic covenant, and the beginning of mankind, and how all these things come together, how in the world can everything that I've ever understood as the Jewish faith be so with the addition and installation of Jesus Christ as Messiah? Well, that had to be worked out. And so Paul did something that I frankly just don't understand, but I, I assume he did it by the by the uh, leadership of the Holy Spirit, that he left all of his brethren, all of his friends, all of his teachers, his city, and, and, and likely his family, um, and, and went to Sinai, which is a, you know, a stark and barren land. I don't even know how he lived there, but um, 
Nevertheless, he went to Sinai. And, and I've often wondered, uh, because within the Jewish faith, there is a, there's an element of the Jewish faith that is as important as anything could be. And that is the law, the Ten Commandments. He went right back to where those commandments were given. This is the, this is the last time the Lord dealt with religion, and perhaps if I'm there, <laughs> um, he'll help me deal with these things. Well, he indeed did. And uh, Paul is second to none when it comes to rectifying the Jewish faith with the Christian faith in that neither one has to deny one another. They don't have to uh, you know, mutually exclude one another as they do today. Uh, but Paul was trying to say that this is a continuation and a fulfillment of everything that I've ever learned. Well, those kind of things don't come from reading books or reading, bi reading Bibles, of going to a seminary or any of the rest of this, these kinds of education type things that, that we seek out when we're trying to learn. But these are the kind of things that, that come to a man's spirit when he's quiet before the Lord. And uh, it took Paul, I mean, we're talking about years that he put in to make all these things come together. And boy, oh boy, did he ever make it come together. This is why uh, Paul is such a, uh, not only an interesting character in Christianity, but an indispensable one. Um, I, I'm not really here to talk about Paul, although he's just one of my favorites. Um, I mean, we want to we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, and I guess I get it. I get into these things because people have a tendency to believe that uh, if, I, if I memorize the Sermon on the Mount, it'll do me some good. Uh, if I uh, memorize uh, uh, the book of Proverbs, I'll be wise. If I memorize the Beatitudes, then I'll have all those attributes. No, 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 not at all. Uh, and it's, it's a huge mistake, and I think a very uh, disappointing mistake in many people's lives to pursue a relationship with God through education. And uh, Paul, when he got back... Um, testifies to what I'm telling you now when he says that these things that I'm telling you, these are indispensable things. Anybody that comes to you and says that what I'm telling you is not true, you ought not listen to them. He says, look, if I change my mind and come back, you know, next year and tell you everything I told you wasn't true, I'm lying. You know, this is a, this is a pretty direct and, and, and a powerful statement. But he was very very convinced um, that, first of all, he did not take his Jewishness lightly. He didn't take the Jewish... He didn't dump Judaism and become a Christian, as some people you know, accuse him of having done. He put Judaism right where it belongs. He understands exactly its purpose and, its, and, and, and everything about it, more so than... I mean, he's incomparable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I've read... Uh, books by uh, Jewish authors and Jewish rabbis and such that don't even come close to the, the Apostle Paul's understanding of these things. Well, this all comes by revelation. This is what, this is what we have to seek, is revelation. Now, the reason I say that is that as we read through the, the Sermon on the Mount, 
you're going to hear many things that are very familiar to you, um, and you've heard them before, perhaps you've memorized them, but um, you have to understand that, that when you read something in the scriptures, and as I was saying, you know, one of my hobbies is to find out who said it and who they said it to and when they said it, and what was a man thinking that would make him answer the question that way, or what was he thinking to make him ask that question? Um, those are all nice mental exercises, but the truth is, is that everything that we read in Scripture should be, um, first of all, made familiar to us by simply reading what we do read, uh, being honest about what we do not understand, being honest in the fact that we're not willing to change definitions of words in order to understand, or in order to make it match our our presently held knowledge about the about uh, of whatever our theology happens to be, but that uh, these kind of things would be revealed to us in time by the Father. We have a teacher. Uh, Jesus Christ claimed to be our only teacher, our only rabbi. And the reason that he did that is, is that he wanted to make it very, very clear, and at least in my mind, that it isn't just a good idea for you to listen to me. It is imperative that you listen to what I say. Um, it's not just, it's not something that you take what I say and mix it with what the prophets say, or mix it with what Moses says, or hold it in some mental scrutiny with how the law is interpreted, how the prophets are interpreted. I speak for myself, I speak of my Father. And the spirit and the words that I give you are spirit and they are life. He's very adamant about this. These are not things that are subject to some, you know, professor's uh, opinions or his ideas. These things are very, very uh, complete within themselves. My words are spirit and they are life. They need not be interpreted or translated. His, his purpose is to speak to us from the inside up. This is the way we are to learn. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, transfiguration, and we're, we're going to be going into that. That's all part of, of this particular study. But um, the transfiguration has a message with it that I think just goes unnoticed in many, many cases. Um, and that is that uh, there were three entities upon this uh, mountain or this this knoll, this hill, whatever, uh, where this transfiguration took place. You remember who the three identities entities were on there? It was Moses and Jesus and Elijah. And the message, the overwhelming message here, if you just stop and look at it, was uh, it is interpreted. It is. It's brought to life, it's, it's brought to fruition in our minds by the words that the Father spoke down through the, the heavens that day. And uh, the subject was set by the Lord God himself. He says this, talking about Jesus Christ, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, now friend, he didn't, he, he didn't say this in any um, unintelligible way. 
he made this very, very clear that this is my son because Moses and Elijah, you remember, disappeared from view. And there was left standing only Jesus Christ. And he was, he was trying to tell them that there was a time when you heard the prophets of God. Now this was symbolized and embodied by the, the, the body of, the person of, Elijah. It's, it's pretty obvious. Elijah, he just stands as a, as a symbol of all the prophets. And there was a time when the children of Israel received their instruction through the prophets. Um, well, how does uh, Hebrews begin? He says uh, that, uh, that, that there was a time when, when the Lord spoke to us by the prophets. Isn't that what it says? Now Moses, of course, being a prophet as well, but Moses embodied and symbolized the law of God, which is a very important part. It's not that it has disappeared. It's not that it's gone away. But when it comes time for us to hear the voice of God, for us to become better, to have a communicative relationship with the Father, Moses is not to be a part of it. Elijah is not to be a part of it. And when, this doesn't mean that you're going to grab your Bible and, and tear it where it says New Testament and throw the Old Testament away. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that there's a new communication. I know you used to get your information from the prophets, Elijah, and from the law, Moses. I understand that this is the way you lived your life. This is how you got your answers. This is how you developed your life, or at least some of them. And at least the ones that tried did. But he said, that's not the way it's going to be anymore. Now, how can you say that, Don? He did, you know, all those words aren't in the Scriptures. Well, they are. When, Jesus, when the Father said, when he was talking about Jesus, this is my beloved Son, he didn't say believe on him. He didn't say worship him. He didn't say kiss his feet or, or you know, wash his clothes for him or make him something to eat or... Take him into your house and give him a place to stay. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. The subject of the sentence is, who do we listen to? What do we do here? Do we follow the prophets? Do we follow the law? What do we do? No, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Listen to him. Do what he says to do. Friend, that is the whole purpose in what we're doing on, on this particular series, The Words of Jesus. And it's, the, and it's the whole crux of the matter. It's the heart of everything we do at TRI Ministries to think red ink, to, to consider what did Jesus say? What did he do? What did he tell us to do? Because we are under a mandate from his Father. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Now, there were no seminaries to point at to say, go listen to them. There wasn't any international uh, preachers in, in nice suits and, and big expensive TV cameras you know, to point at and say, hear him. He pointed at his son and said, hear him. Well, you got a problem. We murdered him. He's gone. We killed him. Well, here, there's some bad news. You want some good news? He's alive. And he's, at the, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Okay, anthropomorphism granted. However, he is 
within the authority, granted authority of his father as the ruler and the God of the whole earth. He is our creator, the Bible says. He was the one that created mankind. He's the one that built the worlds. And now he is our God. This was a very difficult thing for Paul to deal with. Very difficult. But we find him saying, he talks about the Godhead. Well, who is the Godhead? The Father and the Son. It's throughout Paul's writings. As a matter of fact, if you have a computer and you like to do word searches, see how many times you find the word Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the same verse? You're going to be shocked. But then look at Paul's writings and see how many times he mentions the Father and the Son, God and Jesus Christ. And, and he talks about the Godhead is obviously the Father, Jehovah, Jehovah, and his Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's just obvious that that is the Godhead. And anything other than that, I'm afraid, might be just made up. And so we have to understand that there is a Godhead. Paul had to understand that there is a Godhead. But if there is, if there was, and if there, there is today a Godhead, and um, our Father is uh, a, not a disembodied, but a non-embodied spirit. Jesus said, no man seen the Father at any time or heard his voice. <laughs> does, that, does that surprise you? Well, whose voice did they hear? Moses was known as a, as a man who spoke to God face to face. Well, who was he talking to? You see, we're left with only understanding that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, we understand that by the Word of God, the worlds were formed. Well, that's not, this doesn't mean the Bible created the world. What does it mean? The Word of God created the world. Who's the Word of God? Jesus Christ. So, I guess as we start into, the, into this Sermon on the Mount, what I'm trying to get across to you and me is that this isn't just the musings of some really smart guy. This is not the, the, you know, this is not the pontification of, of a prophet of God. This is not somebody just reading inspired and automatic writing of Moses. This is the Son of God. It's, it's almost frightening when we realize that, oh my goodness, I thought I was just ignoring someone's opinion, and in reality... I was ignoring my God. We were ignoring God himself. Time's already gone for today. I'm so sorry about so sorry about the time constraints. Hey, listen, I want to hear from you. Can I do that? Sure I can. All you got to do is go to your computer, set up an email, send it to Don at thinkredinc.com. I'd like to know if you're enjoying the broadcast. You probably have questions. You're welcome to send me your questions and comments. I try to take time to answer them on on our radio station or on the tv station or perhaps we'll deal with them on this show but um i'd love to hear from you so write to me if you would all right it's time for us to go until then think red ink bye-bye been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. 
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.